Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Anna Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Microsoft 365 focused IT security professionals. It's episode 14 of season four. Sam and I had a recent discussion around Microsoft Defender for Identity, a monitoring solution to detect unusual behavior and attacks against Active Directory. Here are a few things we covered. Why do we need to monitor authentication on-premise? What is Microsoft Defender for Identity? How, how do we license Microsoft Defender for Identity? And how do you deploy Microsoft Defender for Identity? We've noticed that a large number of you aren't subscribed yet. If you do enjoy our podcast, please do consider subscribing. It would mean a lot to us for you to show the support to the show. It's a really great episode, so let's dive in. Hey, Alan, how are you doing? Hey, Sam, not doing too bad. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Um, Ignite tickets went live this week. Uh, exciting times. Yeah, I think they went last week, but yeah. Yeah, it's exciting times. Looking forward to seeing what's going to come up in that. As with, as we, um, I think we said last week, it's gonna, I think it's going to be based around AI coming into play, as that's the sort of key thing of, you know, key um, subject at the moment around the world. Yep, co-pilot all the things, um, wrap those large language models in every service, <laughs> inside of every service possible. So, yeah, it'd be good to um, good to see what what else, um, what innovations we get out of there. As we know, um, through our sort of uh, relationship with Microsoft, the amount of features and, you know, new functionality that they churn out like a factory, right, just constantly. So... Yeah, and Ignite is usually a pretty good one for us in our space, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I expect we'll see some of them coming to um, you know, public preview, hopefully, yeah, hopefully some of them at least, um, if not entering private preview um, where we can potentially access them. Um, so, yeah, it'll be good to start seeing some of them because I think we've we've had some insights into like Microsoft 365 Copilot um, and some of the, the pricing and things like that, but I don't think we've seen too much around some of the others. So we'll be good to get some some more insights. Yeah, definitely. So uh, Defender for Identity this week, Alan, a topic that is pretty close to us. Yeah, it's identity. It's, uh, you don't deal with it every day. Um, it's more <laughs> the, the cloud security side of things, but, um, but, you know, identity is the new front door, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and what's quite interesting about this what this one as well is because um we you know it's it's obviously an Azure focused podcast, right? But this is sort of um connecting um sort of um older approaches to sort of newer technologies, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um so yeah, let's 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 jump straight in. So um you mentioned you know, you mentioned previously that it's um, around um, Active Directory. So, could you just give us a primer on what Active Directory is? Yeah, sure. So, Active Directory has been around for a very long time. Um, I can't, I can't remember how long it's been, um, but in effect, it is a um, it's a, a identity provider um, that's been widely used in the world with with Windows devices um, in Windows sort of infrastructure. So it's used to authenticate users and devices and control access to um, network resources. So this is you know, logging onto your machine in the office, 
could be accessing a file share or a server or even accessing applications that um, point at Active Directory to do their authentication. Um, there's various things that, um, you know, there's like a couple, you, know, you can have a couple of servers of them, you can have them distributed across your organization, um, depending on your like, um, your sites to, to make sure the authentication is, um, it is is local kind of thing but they all replicate themselves so it's all like one directory it's like a phone book in effect that's probably a good way to sort of show it it's like it's a directory with all of your users um and you know their um information you know maybe their phone numbers things like that their, their work phone numbers um and then how does it compare to like azure active directory or microsoft enter id it's the you know in effect it's the uh enter id is the 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 new version of it the cloud version um so it's just um and you can have, you have tools in place like azure ad connect which i think it's still called that at the moment um to synchronize the identities between your, your cloud version and your on-premise so you, you then start having a hybrid hybrid identity in effect there and how um how prevalent is Active Directory in organizations? Is it something that, you know, they're looking to move away from or is, you know, um, is it sort of a legacy technology, so to speak? Or So it's probably being started, it's starting to be classed as legacy, I guess, but it's not, it's not going anywhere anytime soon because, um, you know, as I said, Active Directory has been there around for a long time. And there's a lot of organizations, large organizations that have Active Directory in place that is maybe looking to move to a cloud-only world, cloud-only environment, you know, using um, Microsoft Enter ID as the, their identity provider, their, um, their way of, you know, logging into resources, things like that, because, you know, a lot of our resources are now, you know, SaaS applications. Um, but they're probably on that journey. And that's... What we, you know, that's what I see see a lot. There's there's only it's probably only um, you know things like new start you know not new starters but um, new startups things like that where they don't have anything. Yeah, you know, if they've not got Active Directory, then they tend to not need it because they're not building legacy legacy infrastructure on premise infrastructure um, at that point. So it's pro it's probably a move to um, to you know, where organisations can go to the cloud because that's probably one thing to say. Is that you know if you're not able to put your resources in the cloud and you don't want to be able to allow authentication on premise to be from the cloud, it might be that Active Directory is still you know a key point and that's there's definitely isn't going anywhere. But like I said, there's no at the moment Microsoft aren't as far as I'm aware anyway are not planning to remove that yet, and I don't think there's not there's I don't think there's even any roadmaps for it yet. Um, it's more. Um, enhancing Azure uh, Microsoft Enter ID to maybe cover as much as it can that Active Directory does today to help organizations move to Enter ID where they can. Okay, so we, we shouldn't, you know, we should maybe think about it from a, you know, a legacy perspective in terms of, you know, we had the, you know, shifting workloads to the cloud. Um, you know, this is probably to draw parallels with that, um, that movement that's sort of been going on you know we've started to see um, some organizations have their primary 
sort of identity store in the cloud, right? Um, yep. But, you know, we're still seeing Active Directory being used a lot for, you know, um, d- different types of workloads. There's obviously legitimate reasons, you know, um, to, to keep those in play. So I suppose we should probably think about it in, in, in terms of a technology that we need to uh, support and, you know, secure um, and not necessarily... Um, you know, immediately try to push, you know, for migration, if that makes sense, if it's not appropriate, it's, it's more of a, you know, it, it, like you say, here to stay. Um, so it's something that we need to be aware of. Yeah, it's a very core, it has a very core um, service to every, or, you know, most organizations. It's not like, it's not like, it's not one of these um, services that are on like the edge of like your critical like services that you could go, yeah, I can, I can just flip that out. It's like everything, all your member servers, all all of your devices, maybe even authenticate against it in all of your users. So it's not just you've got to start migrating services off it, if that makes sense. So, you know, it might be that you migrate your um, end user devices off it to be Azure or Microsoft Enter ID joined um, first. And then then the, the, the user identity then is all authenticated with Microsoft Entra ID, but they can still potentially still authenticate with stuff on premise. You know, it might be things like that. And then you start to take services away. You might move an application that's able to, um, maybe there's an application that is um, SAML and it's authenticating with um, ADFS. You can then potentially move that to Microsoft Entra ID to again, move that authentication away. So it's definitely a, a whole. I mean, it's probably a whole episode on just Active Directory, really. And oh, a whole potentially the migration like, thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we, what we're like ten minutes in, and we've already like <laughs> started it. Okay, so. let's get off Active Directory. But uh, Active Directory important to LDR one hundred percent. So yeah, so why why is it important for us to uh, monitor authentication? Um, you know, focus on Active Directory. So it kind of ties into what we were just saying here, that it's the core authentication on your on premise. So. You know, if anything gets compromised in there, you know, if if you know Active Directory gets taken down, you know, gets malware encrypted, then that's that is everything in your organization that uses it to authenticate gone. You know, unable to start up, unable to log in to it. You know, all of your end user devices now not able to sign in. You know, because you might have you again, you might also have things like your Wi-Fi that uses. Um, 802.1x to authenticate against AD. You know, all of a sudden people can't connect to Wi-Fi. Maybe they can't connect to your network because you've got 802.1x on. You know, it's it's critical. So you do need to monitor it to understand potential attacks. Um, and also I think the latest stat at the moment is that it takes 72 minutes now from someone getting a credential to get in, you know, an admin account and then potentially exfiltrating data now. And I think in the past that was like days, weeks, maybe months kind of thing. And, you know, if you're not monitoring your active directory, you're not knowing if someone's in there trying to get around your network. Yes, if you've got you know, your, your seam capability, then you're, you're monitoring that sort of stuff. But that's, you know, it's exactly what we're saying. You know, you do need to monitor it to see how an attacker or you know a bad actor is doing you know maybe doing things in your environment and 
trying to understand how you detect that as well because they might be you know going really slow make sure they're not like peaking you know um events you know because you know you'll see that sort of stuff in a in a seam and things like that yeah okay because so you know effectively it's our central sort of crown jewels really because you know all all interaction starts with authentication right you know so you know um, potential compromise of that identity store is you know uh, it's a very valuable target yeah and you know we and because now in today's world we probably have hybrid identities the passwords are then you know actually not accessible but you know that password is then used in Microsoft Venture ID so for your Office 365 where all your data is or your SaaS applications that are integrated so it becomes even more key because you know whilst it's it's kind of talking about that perimeter you know if it's all closed off you know you know your passwords that are now you know publicly not accessible but you use them in the cloud don't you now so it's not just someone has to be local to use them got it okay yeah yeah no that makes that makes a lot of sense um so can you just sort of describe to us you know what is uh, microsoft defender for identity so microsoft defender for identity kind of came from um a previous tool that microsoft had um which was called um uh microsoft advanced threats analytics uh ata and that was the on-premise version of microsoft defender for identity um so that started off initially um and then it and then a new version called azure atp advanced threat protection came out um, and then it got rebranded to microsoft defender for identity um, and there was always confusion about azure atp um, because everyone thought it was for azure it, because of the name but actually it was for on-premise you know on-premise um, active directory um so yeah so this tool is um designed to monitor active directory and it's looking for um unusual behavior so it's monitoring users it's used it to, you know monitoring their behavior and it, it in effect has a sort of a machine learning part to it um so it's building baselines on users so it's uh, in effect a user entity behavior analytics kind of thing so it's then able to determine that if you know a user logs onto this machine every day and then they log onto then the next machine um you know that's what they you know, so that their routine is every week every month kind of thing then it's you know baselining it and then anything that sort of changes then it kind of thinks mm, is it they've done it once or they never connect to the server kind of thing um another part is protecting the identities and the credentials that are in in active directory and that's done by um, generating um, reports on the health of Active Directory. So there's some key things like um, one of the authentication methods or the, not authentication methods, but the um, protocols that um, Active Directory uses is LDAP. Um, and there's an LDAP-S, which is the secure one. So when LDAP is used, um, in effect, the credentials are in in some you know, in almost in plain text in effect on the network so if someone was sniffing the network then they can see them in theory so it allows for you know hardening of active directory um, based on microsoft recommendations um, 
and then you know it gives you an interface to be able to identify these potential issues um, create an instance and alerts um, but also allow you to check across the the attack chain in effect you know what is happening you know so you can see a you know a user logging onto a device um, then all of a sudden an admin is now logged onto that device um, now it is now doing some reconnaissance against the network you know checking to see who's in the um, enterprise admin group which is a key um, group that's in within active directory it gives you it's in effect you know god mode to the it's your global admin um, kind of kind of account um, and then you're seeing how you know an, potentially how an account is getting then you know laterally moving across the you know the the environment to then get you know the keys to the kingdom kingdom and then causing causing havoc because once they've got a global not global admin but an enterprise admin they can create their own accounts they can give it their own permissions and then they can access other servers you know your file servers your your applications where all your sensitive data is and um, some of the attacks that um, Microsoft kind of track or look look for is like uh, brute force attack against you know passwords, um, as well as um, skeleton keys, golden tickets, um, and things like that. So there's this there's a there's a whole list online that's sort of saying about what types of attacks it's is covering. And what's slightly different? So if you had a a seam, you know they're collecting the logs and um, gathering that information, um, and that's okay. Um, and you'll be able to generate, you know, um, I mean, if we talk about Sentinel analytic rules to detect that um, that type of attack, you know, because you'll have the logs to be able to determine what's happening. Um, but this is doing it all for you and being updated with the new potential attacks and, you know, the the type, you know, the detections are being updated automatically by Microsoft. So it's all like, uh, I guess it's kind of like black box you know, doing it for you, being updated, and you'd have to worry about updating analytic rules and things like that. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of it quickly in a, in a nutshell. It's very powerful. I've seen it. I've seen it light up like a Christmas tree. Um, it's um, someone was doing a pen test where I was at the time. Um, we didn't at the time the team I was working with didn't know, and um, they seen it starting to light up. You know, telling us. This is happening. This account's been done. You know that now this is happening, sort of thing. And you know it was to the point where the the team I was with were looking to, you know, in fact, turn off the network or you know disable the ports that it was coming from. And they were going to the the head of security at that time and saying, "Hey, this is happening. We need to you know do this. Is that okay?" And then he was like, "Meet the pen testing team that's over here." And we're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> so. Yeah, but it's really it's really powerful to see it. Yeah, definitely. It sounds it sounds great, and I I think the sort of the key element of it there for me was is that you effectively don't have to really manage it once it's set up. Is that is that probably a fair statement to make? You know, I mean, from a you know a content perspective, you know, you were talking, you know, traditionally you might, um, you know, um, you know, ingest your um, active directory logs into a seam tool but then you effectively have to manage your content you know your analytic rules and the detections that you're you know that you're looking for at that point yeah i mean there are still reasons to still ingest logs into a into a seam because there may be other types of detections and obviously the um the sort of um 
correlation with other incidents happening that or other logs that are happening on that scene. Um, so they can you know correlate against you know maybe maybe another attack happening kind of thing because you won't be able to do that with you know as long if it's a compromise or an attack on Active Directory or and that you know Defender for Identity will be able to see that, but if it's an attack on a certain service or something, then it may not be as obvious kind of thing. So there's still valid reasons to still ingest logs. But yeah, you're right. If you're doing it for these specific reasons to protect Active Directory, then yeah, Defender for Identity just sits there and um, I say just sits there, but you know, if it's quiet, then it's, I guess some some might say it's, it's boring because it's not doing anything because it, you know, it's there's nothing happening, sort of thing. But that's that's great because it means it's there's nothing, you know, there's nothing bad happening in your environment. That makes sense. Um, but um, but yeah, the other parts to it is that you can you can create honey tokens and then in your in your environment and then flag them up. Um, all of your all of your um, sensitive accounts, your enterprise admins, things like that get flagged, so they get extra monitoring. Um, so so yeah and it's it is a great tool um there's not too much configuration you need to do in it because it's kind of based on you know collecting the logs it's all kind of standard it's in because it's been out for such a long time um i say a long time it's like it must be like four or five years now if not more excluding the ata sort of version of it um you know it's quite it's quite mature as a product i feel um and they are still doing features to it you know it's not just monitoring now you know you can go into the portal and if there is a compromise it can actually disable and reset passwords in active directory now for you with the when it's um you know deployed so there is now actually a way to do the remediation from the cloud or you know disruption attack disruption at that point yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask how it sort of um how you sort of interface with it so you know is is this a is this uh, maybe we want to talk about deploying it potentially you know is this something that you you, you deploy somewhere and then you access it from a, a cloud um you know a dashboard or something like that yeah so it used to have its own portal but with all the microsoft security tools now it's now all moved into the security.microsoft.com the microsoft 365 defender portal um and there are a couple of ways to deploy it and it's dependent on how how much data is going through or how much how busy your active directory is so the easiest way um and the most common way i should say is that in effect you deploy an agent onto active directory and that agent has to then talk out to to the internet or to the the Defend for identity service to in effect you know provide send the logs up to the service um but what it also does is it's also um capturing the packets coming to it so it can detect and read what's happening there so it's not just what active directory is saying is happening it's actually detecting what's being sent to it you know what the reconnaissance is um and things like that so it will detect if you're rdping if someone's trying to rdp to it or try to do a remote remote PowerShell and things like that to it. So not necessarily Active Directory specific, but someone doing or trying to access Active Directory domain controllers themselves. Um, so it's part of the deployment. Um, once you put that agent inst- it on, 
um, that agent can get quite um, uh, can take a lot of um, RAM and CPU depending on how much it's processing but it's got a fail safe mechanism built into it because as we said Active Directory is the core service if that goes down there's bigger problems and even with the older version um, the ATA version which is now retired um, it has a fail safe sort of built into it you know a cap so in effect it detects when memory memory and CPU usage is um I can't I think it's seventy five percent. Once it's hit seventy five percent or eighty percent, something like that, it then restarts itself and stops itself to stop make sure that active directory isn't broken, isn't taken down. Because it you know, as we said, it's a core service. So how do you then understand how you know is 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 your active directory like sized correctly to be able to run this so there is a sizing tool that you run and you you do that before you deploy the 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 endpoints the the uh, the agents so you run it on a member machine a member server or member endpoint that can see all of your active directories domain controllers um or you run this multiple times um and in effect you run it as a as a, as a as a, an account that's able to access all of the all the all of the servers, and in effect, it, it you re leave it to run for twenty four hours, and basically it captures how many packets. What's the average package, average packet um, being sent to those devices, um, and then when it's finished, um, you get a, a spreadsheet in effect that then tells you it recommends to add more RAM, add more CPU because a lot of machines now are not physical; they're virtual. Um, so it may be that you know you can add a few more cores, a few more gigs of RAM to it, just to once potentially size it correctly. Because we may, you know, we have seen organisations undersize their Active Directory. Um, and then once that's done, then yes, deploy the agent, and then it starts communicating and it starts collecting the data. Um, once it's collecting the data, it takes thirty days to do its baseline and learn. Um, so anything happening in that is then captured. So you won't get, you may get a few extra alerts at that point, but after that, it's then baselined all the users and what they do. So then the alerts will then be based on unusual behavior. But if you have a really busy domain controller and I've done a deployment um, previously and they were getting 580,000 packets a second which is a lot and they had two and it was on a physical service. It needed so much RAM and CPU to run, which was insane. Um, so for them, um, what you can do is build a gateway server. And what that does is, is that acts as the, the agent in effect on its own communicating up to um, the service. And then from a network perspective, you do port mirroring, which means that you basically copying all the traffic coming from to going to that um domain controller and then send it to this box so it's acting as if it's being communicated with and then it captures all those um those um, packets and then it starts analyzing them as well as you you forward on your events to that to that service um, and then it's it's all separate and i guess you could use that if you didn't want to um add your 
or allow you to make a trial out, you know, to be allowed out to, the, to a specific, you know, um, URL. Um, and then that sends up the data. Wow. So there is quite a lot of flexibility in terms of how it, you know, can be deployed. And, you know, that just seems to sort of mirror, you know, um, and align to how important these services are, right? Um, yeah. Because, you know, and I assume that mirroring's done at like a network level, like a switch level, right? You know, is that just a... Um, Correct. What do they call it? Is it just a port mirror? What's, what's it when... Yeah, it's called... Um, like a network tap or... Span. Yeah, network tap. Span, port, span, port. Uh, span mirroring. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, um, that makes sense. Yeah, and you can do multiple... You know, it's not um, those gateways, so it's not have to be one-to-one with domain controllers because normally you have like two in a data center. So it might be, and if they're on the same switches or close to, as long as you can add, you know, if you're the server that's being, that's the gateways has multiple network cards on it, you can port mirror all the data to it kind of thing. So it's not just, you have to have a, you know, another server for each, you know, you'd have to like duplicate your, your domain controllers kind of thing. Um, you can just and, have one that goes up. And, and th- that would make me think that um, that would mean that these, uh, the gateway um identity agents uh, that we've talked about um it seems like that would keep them segmented and maybe potentially hidden from a an attacker doing reconnaissance right because in theory they could be completely isolated you know onto a different uh vlan at, at that point right and just expose from, the internet from a box itself yes and you're right it is a hidden like monitoring tool um doing it that way um you know, if if a an attacker got onto a domain control, they got that far, then yes, they would be able to see the service running and potentially stop it. This is true, um, but at the same time, you know, there's alerting on monitor. You know, there's you know alert or there's like alerts in the portal in effect saying when one of the agents or one of the domain controllers isn't healthy. So you're able to see that it's it's gone down, but also they may have taken one down, but the other two, three, ten, hundred to make controllers are still up and running, yeah. and seeing you know potentially seeing stuff happening with them as well. So it's not it's not necessarily um, a bad thing that the agent is you know, on the to make controller itself. Yeah. So, um, so so maybe that's more of a networking or performance decision why you would use that mirroring at that point, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. And um, when ATA was out, um, the a- the the agent that sat on the domain controller was very resource hungry. You did have to increase the RAM and things like that very, uh, you know, a lot. Um, but with the, AT- the, the Azure ATP or the Microsoft Defense for Identity one, uh, Microsoft streamlined its resources, made it very efficient. So... Um, we tend to see still, we still tend to see, um, organizations need to still increase their, um, domain controller, you know, resources because they're being, you know, cause they've done it to what they, you know, what is needed potentially, or maybe they've undersized a little bit to save, you know, save cost, maybe save space on the, on the hypervisor. Um, but, but yeah, we've, we've definitely seen, you know, domain controllers needing, you know, a little bit more. So I assume that organizations must run Active Directory in the cloud. Is that is that right, fair to say? 
Uh, yes. So, yeah. So we do have organizations that run it in in clouds. So as you, you know, in Azure, AWS, and GCP, or in third-party data centers. Um, um, so, so for instance, just specifically talking about Azure, um, if you if you are hosting Active Directory in Azure, is there a requirement for Defender for uh, Defender for Identity? Is it the same? If if so, is it the same deployment uh, method? for vms yes it's same deployment um the only thing is is that you can't do the gateway because you can't put span port port mirror yeah in the same way you can you know on premise you can do that with even with virtual machines you do it with hyper v yeah with hyper v vmware things like that you can do that still but within azure or the other clouds you can't so you you are you have to use the agent to okay. to do the deployment yeah, because I, uh, you know, I obviously have seen quite a lot of um, confusion when it comes to, I'll call them on-premise technologies being hosted in Azure, right, and getting mm-hmm. confused with cloud technologies, right? You know, you could, you could kind of argue that Active Directory in Azure could be mistaken for Azure Active Directory, right? <laughs> if if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, so I think it's probably worth calling out that. You know these on-premise technologies have also made them made their way to the cloud, and rightly so in a lot of scenarios. Um, but also, we still need to apply the same sort of um, tooling and visibility even to those cloud resources. It's still our responsibility to manage and monitor these services in the cloud. Yeah, definitely, especially when it's infrastructure as code, because that's you know in effect that is just a data center, isn't it? In Azure, in in it's just in Azure at that point. Still, sort somewhat technically classes on on premise kind of view, I guess, isn't it? Sorry, do you mean infrastructure as a service, not infrastructure as code? Yeah, infrastructure as service. Yeah, <laughs> okay. that's right. It's because we've been doing <laughs> we've been doing IAC as well, and you know it's the buzzword no, 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 for I our just... podcast. Sorry, the the, <laughs> the acronym flew into my brain, and I was like, and then you were talking about actual. I was thinking, oh, yeah, there's, there's going to be something to do with like, what's the difference with terraforming this? You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's great. That's that's all cool. Um, yeah, infrastructure as a service. Okay, yeah, it's all cool. Um, so um, how is it licensed? Uh, yeah, so it's licensed per user. That's in Active Directory. So well. It's licensed per user that is synchronized up to. Oh, it's a bit. It's, yeah, it's synchronized. Users synchronized up to um, Azure AD, but you do have to make sure you're covering a lot of your. It's basically, in fact, you've got to cover all of your active users, in effect. Um, not necessarily service accounts, things like that, or directly admin accounts, but definitely your primary users that you're that are currently active. On there because it's in effect it's a standalone license um you can it's a subscription so you can buy it through you know you can have it as a as the emns e5 or the microsoft e microsoft 365 e5 security add-on um or you know the full e5 um so that's how it's it's licensed um i don't know what the the cost is of it off the top of my head but um but yeah so you just gotta make sure you're covering all of your active end users active active real users right 
humans that yeah yeah, humans that are using it and and did you say if they have multiple accounts you you don't need to worry about multiple licenses per user it's just a straight it's 100 users in your org you buy 100 licenses for it or correct yeah as long yeah as long as you're yeah like i said you're covering your active your your human active users and there's no restrictions on the amount of active directory um servers that i've got nope no it's all based on it's all user based Okay, so you don't pay per agent that I deploy or anything like that. No. Uh, what about ingest network costs? Is that all um, covered? There's no additional cost. Obviously, if you've got the service in a cloud, your egress from that cloud may cost you. So if you, you okay. know from Azure yeah. out to the service, it, there may be a cost there. But that's standard for you know, yeah. servers in, in Azure. And their egress. Yeah, or if you're in AWS, for instance, yeah, exactly. You would pay your egress from AWS to talk to Azure, I assume. Well, to to the to the Defender for Identity service. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. There's no additional cost because I'm I'm guessing you are the way to probably look at it is that in theory, if you've got a hundred, well, if you've got a thousand users or ten thousand users, um, it kind of, you know, they're only going to be do being theory active. They're, you know, they're only going to have a percentage of act, you know, activity or authentications, aren't they, across your estate? So it shouldn't, it should sort of scale with the users in that fact, in that effect, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So um, we talk, uh, uh, we we hear a lot about um, XDR. How does um, how does identity fit uh, fit into extended detect and response? Yeah, so. Um, Defend for Identity, Defend for Endpoint, and Defend for Office were always the, well, it was Azure ATP previously, but um, a couple of years ago, but they were the sort of first three services that kind of communicate with each other and started that sort of XDR story um, with Microsoft. So it ties in because um, it, it allows the uh, Microsoft 365 Defender portal um, to, you know, see see the authentications happening on on your Active Directory. Um, but then it can also see Defender for Endpoint. So it can start sort of mapping. It's it's all that it's that sort of um better to get together because we can correlate the information. So you know we start seeing an attack on active on Active Directory. Um and then we can start looking into you know which endpoint is now you know doing that. Because then you know, and then we can go to Defender for Endpoint information and start seeing you know the the unusual activity that this user's signed in that they never do on this device. We can then get all the the detail about what they're actually running. You know, maybe they are running a toolkit on there, um, which then can be disrupted by Defender for Endpoint at that level. Um, so not necessarily just you know disabling the user, but actually stopping the 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 software that's running or the the attacker that's in on that device itself and stopping them from actually jumping to another account somewhere else. Um, and then, you know, then you can look at Defender for Office to then see how maybe how something got in. Um, you know, maybe there was a, a phishing attack or a malware execution that was zero day that, you know, maybe defend, you know, defender 
it was you know so new that defender couldn't quite catch it quick enough you know zero day is zero day you know um we try our best to to capture it but as long as we you know as, as soon as it's out or happening we disrupt it as soon as we can um you know maybe we've detected that an email came through and another 100 people got it you know we can use the the defender for our office to then go off and purge those emails out and get rid of it and then we you know we've all got that all in one instant so identity is a key part to to you know XDR you know it's it's what we now know is the the new front door the new perimeter um you know use you know organizations or attackers I should say aren't, aren't attacking endpoints as much anymore because EDR technology has you know come so far now it's now trying to grab the credentials and attacking that way Thanks for that, Alan. Yeah, that makes that makes a, a huge amount of sense. And um, yeah, like you say, the traditional IT security perimeter is highly fragmented now, right? Um, like you say, the the value is in is in identity. Um, that's 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 a key area of focus now, right? So um, ha- having layering on any sort of technology that you possibly can, um, especially looking at these. Um, more traditional silos of identity, right, of on-premise identities, um, and, and especially as how hyper-connected, um, I think as you spoke about earlier, you know, these identities are synchronized um, into the cloud. Um, then, you know, um, once you get hold of a singular identity, you can effectively move it, use it in multiple places, right? You know, if you got hold of that identity on-prem, you could then use it in the cloud and potentially even vice versa, right? You know, so... Um, so yeah, the, having that correlation between uh, this tool, uh, Defender for Identity, Defender for Endpoint, Defender for Office, getting that singular pane of view and that you know singular vision to help you respond to these incidents is is really powerful. Um, definitely. Yeah, and it's you've also got obviously your identity protection for Microsoft Enter ID, so that ties into the whole XDR piece. So you're looking at both sides, your, your hybrid identity. Yeah. At that point as well. Cool, great. Thanks for that, Alan. Uh, is there anything else that you wanted to cover? Anything you think we've missed? No, I think that's that's all for it. It's a really, I say, simple tool, um, but it's 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 very uh, specific on what it needs to do, and it's very good at it. So it's not, um, you know, it's not um, it's not like some of our, our other products like Defender for Cloud, where there's hundreds things that are amazing about well there are there are amazing things about this but a hundred amazing things and different areas that we could spend hours on kind of thing it's definitely a you know a tool that is um matured and you know nailed what it needs to do yeah narrow and focus but sort of deep in functionality right you know it's just one core area that's really important so yeah very critical yeah exactly yeah cool um previous episode alan Anything that you know somebody might want to go back and listen to that's related? Um, I don't. I can't think of anything right now. Um, I mean, obviously, looking at any of the defender, any of my defender ones would probably tie into it. Um, we did do a defender for office, um, season three, episode six. Um, to kind of looking at that side of things. Um. But no, I can't think of anything else. Okay, cool. Great. 
Um, okay, so what's what's the next episode, Sam? Yeah, so next week um, I'm going to sort of keep it on the in the security sort of realm, and we're going to be looking at um, Microsoft Purview Insider Risk Management. Um, so so yeah, we're going to dive into um, what insider risks are. Um, potentially in your organization um how you should um you know have visibility of those risks um and you know if if there if there is an incident um that that is flagged from that discovery um then actually wrapping a management process around it as well um you know a lot of what we talk about is either you know cloud solutions um or security solutions you know it's, it's highly technically focused um, but a lot of the time, our um, uh, these incidents are uh, driven from human beings. Um, well, they've always got a part to play. Those those pesky pesky users. I sound like a character from Scooby Doo or something like that. Um, so we'll yeah we'll just we'll just dive into um, insider risk management. Um, it's it's a it's a really good tool uh, for for getting visibility. So yeah, I want to um, sort of take everybody through it. Okay, great. It sounds like it's going to be a good episode. Um, Okay, so did you enjoy this episode? If so, please do consider leaving us a review on Apple or Spotify. This really helps us to reach out to more people like you. If you have any specific feedback or suggestions, we have a link in our show notes to get in contact with us. Yeah, and if you've made it this far, thanks ever so much for listening, everyone. Catch you next week. Thanks all. Speak soon.